0: 1 Corinthians 15, 10, in the King James Version, it says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. Who's that that says, I am what I am? Popeye? Do, you, do yourself like that. Huh? I am what I am. Because <laughs> that's the title of today's message. I left the Y off. Okay, it's I am what I ams. But that's on your sheet. If you're following along on your little bulletin, there's some blanks for you to fill out. If you, if it helps you stay awake during my service, huh? Does any you you don't have a sheet? Okay, we do have one person that doesn't have a sheet. Anybody else over here? There's one over here. People are sneaking in. All right, we have several that don't have their sheet. Those sheets are important. Why? Because they have our announcements on them. And, and I've been noticing since we haven't been given the announcements from the pulpit, there's a lot of people that don't know the announcements. So we don't want that to be the case. If you want to go back to having somebody take up ten minutes of the service giving the announcements, <laughs> then then we'll do that. But I think it would be better just to be you can post it on your refrigerator with that thing, and just you know see it all week long. Well, I am's what I am's, but I wasn't always what I am's today. About 10 years ago, uh, many of you know I have a Christian rock group called Soul Food. It's been together about 20 years now, and we play all over. About 10 years ago, we were invited to play in some little small town. I say invited loosely. What I don't remember what exactly happened, but knowing the way Christian groups are often regarded in today's society, we probably had to beg to play and offer to do it for free. But anyway, we showed up, and we came up to the main stage there, and the guy that was in charge, he said, oh, no, you guys aren't on the main stage. We, we have another place for you. So he, he took us off the main drag there, wherever all the people were, and he took us down this side street by this gas station to this empty lot over here. He said, here's where we'd like you guys to set up. And we're like, okay, and it was no shade, about 100 degrees out there. And we looked around, and there was one little old rusty concession trailer with two people in it doing like this. (laughs) Obviously glad that we, for some company, you know. And we said, okay, okay. He said, here's the lineup. It's uh, you and the dancing grannies and uh, some kids singing karaoke. And we said, okay, okay, well, where's the PA? Oh, I thought you guys might bring that. Thank goodness this wasn't our first road. Now, am I telling the truth? That's right. Because we have, I have confirmation in the building. It's sad, but it's true. But anyway, uh, uh, so we, we had our trailer there, and we started trying to unpack our equipment and set up, you know, so we could have sound when we went to go. And, and these dancing grannies, and I kid you not, they were wearing leotards. <laughs> and I say grannies loosely. Because they were at least grannies, maybe great, great grannies. (laughs) And they had red, white, and blue leotards, sparkly, and, and they had some kind of headdress, I don't know what, and they were all wearing high heels. And then they started this stomp routine. I don't know what they were doing, aerating the sticky concrete or something, but they were stomping, and and it was all to Judy Garland's Somewhere Over the Rainbow that they were playing on a reel-to-reel cassette, I kid you not, with a microphone up to it. And I don't know where they got a PA. So we're discreetly in the background trying to set our speakers, you know, so when we get ready to play and we're doing this number here behind them. After that first so- song, one of them grannies came back and she looked at me and said, you guys better sit down. You are taking the attention away from us. You are distracting. And I wanted to say, you realize the only two people watching are in that concession stand <laughs> over there. But I didn't because she could say touche to me. I said, yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, and so I went and sat down, and the guys gathered around, and we had a little prayer for, you know, to, Lord, give us patience, help us, Jesus, you know, we, we get built ourselves back up, and so the dancing grannies did their thing, and when they got down, the, there was a man, had a little karaoke machine, and his daughter began to sing uh, some country music to a karaoke, karaoke songs, and we thought, well, We'll get a little bit done while they're done because we'll, we'll make sure we don't even get behind her. We'll just plug up some stuff, you know. And I kid you not, that guy was giving me the evil. And he was mouthing words that didn't look Christian at me. <laughs> Finally, he got up and come walking over to me. And I'm just going to be honest with you. You know what I did? I'll tell you later. Because we got to get to our message that's part of it but not yet let's turn to luke 14 7 holler at me when you get there hi (laughs) luke 14 7 jesus thank you jesus had gone to dinner at a pharisee's house now you know how well jesus got along with the pharisees not very well it started out contentious. The first thing is there's a guy there with a shriveled up hand, and Jesus says, Is it all right to heal on the Sabbath? And they're looking at No. <laughs> you know, they, they, the, the, the Pharisees, the religious people, and Jesus did not get along, right? So, anyway, we pick it up in verse 7. It says, When Jesus noticed that all who had come to the dinner were trying to sit in the seat of honor near the head of the table, he gave them advice. Now, when Jesus gives advice, it's better than E.F. Hutton, so listen up. When you are invited to a wedding feast, don't sit in the seat of honor. What if someone is more as distinguished than you has also been invited? The host will come and say, give this person your seat. Then you'll be embarrassed, and you'll have to take whatever seat is left behind at the foot of the table. Instead, take the lowest place at the foot of the table. Then when the host sees you, he will come and say, Friend, we have a better place for you. Then you will be honored in front of all the other guests. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves, they'll be exalted. We don't see a lot of that advice being taken here in America today. What we see is people filling their time with, Jostling for position, tussling to try to outdo one another, fighting for a place of honor at the head of the table, trying to command the most respect, and just waiting to stick it to anybody who would dare get in their way. And that's just in the church. <laughs> just. Loosen up, people. That was just a joke. Have you noticed that Jesus is leading us down a slightly different path? Did you notice he came and everything that we see Jesus doing is kind of opposite to what we would naturally do in our natural selves and what the world's system. When we talk about the world today, I want you to understand we're talking about the world's way of doing things, not the world, you know, as the, the plants and the trees and all that that God created, but the world's system is the way that the world does business. But Jesus suggests a radical new way to do life. We hear about it, we talk about it, but we don't really grasp it because I don't see a whole lot of people living it. We still, for the most part, even as Christians, live according to the ways of the world. And that's what we're going to talk about today. You know, in Matthew 4, uh, we have the story where Jesus has gone into the wilderness after he's baptized and he's fasting for 40 days. Then the devil comes to him to try to tempt him. The first thing the devil does is he tells Jesus, use your abilities to make these stones bread. And I think he's tempting many of us to do the same thing today, to use all of our abilities to make the bread. You know what I'm saying? To use the the God-given gifts and abilities to, to make bread for ourselves. But Jesus told Satan, we don't live by bread alone. By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, right? In other words, the path, that different path that Jesus is leading us along is a path that is in tandem with a stream. A stream of unending words out of the mouth of our Lord Jesus, out of the mouth of the Father, out of the mouth of the Holy Spirit. You see, we live by those words, That is the bread that we need. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life, and I will lead you by an unending stream of words. What do you need to do today? Jesus will speak it into your life today. He may show you the end from the beginning, but he's going to show you every step along the way. We don't live by miracles, turning stones to bread. We don't live by that physical bread. We live by the stream of unending words, the bread of God's wisdom in our life every day. In fact, our mission statement says, we are here at this church are a fire igniting the passionate pursuit of true purpose in people's lives. See, we put the word true because there's a true purpose and there's whatever you think the purpose is. But to find that true purpose We have to stay on the path. And guess what? On that path, it's going to be the bread that you need, the substance you need. It's on that path as you walk hand in hand with the Lord day by day that the bread will be provided. If If you feel like there's a lack of provision, a lack of bread in your life, you're probably on the wrong path. If you're having to struggle and work real hard to make the ends meet, to pay the bills, it seems like there's never enough, You're always playing from behind the eight ball. You're probably on the wrong path because there's provision along that stream of words that God puts in your... He says He'll open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing. There'll not be room enough to contain. He's going to open up the window and He's going to shout you direction. That just came to me. But isn't it true? He has the words of eternal life. Next, the devil The devil took him up on the top of the temple and tempted him to jump off. (laughs) Let's just say Jesus didn't leap at that opportunity, (laughs) pun intended. I guess he's trying to get Jesus to show off, I don't know. But today, we do have a whole generation willing to leap at every opportunity for their 15 seconds of fame. It don't matter if it costs them their character, their integrity, their morals. They're selling their soul to the devil for one record deal, you know? One chance to sing in front of all these people. One chance on American Idol. They probably call it American Idol for a reason. You know, we we don't like people willing to sell out the gifts because the devil was saying, you know, God will be with you. Jesus looked at him. We can't tempt God like that. That's ignorant. The power that God gave me is not for sale. That's what Jesus is saying. The power he has invested in you, the gifts and abilities that he gave you before you were even created, they shouldn't be for sale to the world. They're intended to be used for what he intended them to be used for. Finally, the devil tries to entice Jesus with the power and the authority. He took him up on a mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He said, you have all this stuff. If you'll just bow down and serve me. Well, newsflash, the kingdoms of this world will soon be, be coming to an abrupt end, hoss. What good is it to win the whole world and lose your own soul? What good is it? This is All this is coming to an end. Why invest in something that's not going to last? Would you put your money in a stock market if you knew any day now it was going to explode? And it would all be gone? Jesus implied, I'm not here to save the world's kingdoms. I'm here to save the souls out of the world's kingdoms so they can realize that you must worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. That's what Jesus was telling him. The devil was like, what? I don't understand. This power and this fame and all this stuff, this money, I, this trick works with everybody else. Who is this guy? But Jesus is showing us a different path. You don't have to fall for the same old tricks. The devil doesn't have any new ones They can pretty much be found in three categories. He's tempting you with money, fame, and power. Let's turn to 1 John 2.15. 1 John, towards the end of the Bible. Chapter 2, verse 15. The Apostle John puts it like this. (coughs) Excuse me. He says, Do not love this world. Once again, we're talking about the world's way of doing things. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. Wow, that's kind of black and white. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. Isn't that what the world offers? These are not from the Father, but they are from the world. And this world is fading away, along with everything else that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. I'm telling you, Jesus is trying to say there's a different path. I didn't come to confirm your ideas I come to give you some bright new ones. I'm going to ask you a question, and then I'm going to say selah. We had not used that word in a while, but it's used in the Psalms quite often. It means pause and think on this. It means just reflect. Here's the question. How different would your life be if you had no interest in the things of this world, money, fame, or power? Think about your situation and the motives behind what you're doing. How different would your life be if you had no interest in these things? Jesus' brothers tried to tempt him in John 7, verse 4. It says, Jesus, you can't be famous if you hide like this. If you do such wonderful things, won't you show yourself to the world? They wanted Jesus to be famous. Jesus, you're doing all these things. And you know what? That's, the, that's many of a church's model. They want to be famous. They want to reach the world in the world's way. And they want to be accepted by the world. We have to be careful not to fall into that trap. God's people are a peculiar people. You understand that. We're, we do reach out with the bait. We are relevant. We understand where they're coming from. And we are wise in, in how to attract them and so forth, but we must not become like them. Jesus is raising up a peculiar people, people that are a little bit odd, a little bit different. And if you listen at the teaching of Jesus, wow. I, I have personally read some of the things in the Bible that Jesus says, and I says, and I try to soften it automatically. I'm like, he didn't really mean that, you know. He, what he really means is, you know, he's just using an illustration. But was he? Jesus said some odd things according to our worldly way of thinking. Jesus wasn't the least bit interested in becoming famous. If you look at him, he, he went, told people all the time, Don't go tell nobody, because I already got enough people following me around. He was not interested in being famous, he wasn't seeking the world's approval. But this is all that I did before I came to Jesus. I wanted to be famous so bad. I wanted to leave a legacy so bad. I wanted people to remember me. I wanted people to to respect me, to think I was the bomb. You know, that was all I thought about. And even after I got saved, you know, I got saved and, and the, ba- the band got saved the same year with me and we kept it together and that's when we became soul food, you know. And even starting out in Christianity, we had worldly notions about what the band was for. We thought, well, we're going to be in the Christian market now. We're going to get on Caleb. We're going to get us an album deal, you know? Album deal. I'm dating myself there. <laughs> Record deal's even older, isn't it? But we're going to get a deal. We're going to do these things and we're going to be on the big stage and we're going to do, we're going to take the world by storm for Jesus. Didn't play out like that at all. Instead, started this long 20-something year humbling process <laughs> where, you're, where you're following the tap-dancing grannies, you know. <laughs> but I'm glad. I am glad because now we, we could care less about being seen. We have found the low-hanging fruit all over the Mid-South. We go where we can make a difference in people's lives. We can see souls won to the kingdom. We can see lives changed, countenances, brightened. We go to make a difference in people's lives. Not to say, look at us. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't let us go down that path. Paul said in Galatians 1.10, he said, Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. You look at Paul's life, you say, Believe me, you didn't render approval of many people because they was beating him, stoning him, leaving him for dead. He was shipwrecked. He was going through all these trials. He says, if pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. We're not here to people please. We have an audience of one, as Chad likes to say. We're here to please God. And in doing that, we might really help some people. Not just please them, we might really help some people. I wrote this, too many people want to claim to be a part of the kingdom of God, to claim to be Christ, but they keep a taste for the sweet things of this world. They want both. What did Jesus say about that? You can't have both. Proverbs 25, 27, in the English Standard Version says, it's not good to eat too much honey, to have that sweet tooth for the world. Nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. See, you can't seek to glorify yourself in this world and to glorify God at the same time. You have to humble yourself. You have to take that seat at the the foot of the table and let God call you up. Does that make sense? Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. There it is, black and white. Don't copy them. But let God transform you. you. You remember in 2 Corinthians 5 where he says that you were made a new creation in Christ Jesus? Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, you used to think these things, and we didn't know any better. But now, there's a light coming on, because Jesus is the light of the world. And then there's a light coming on, and now we're beginning to see the way God does things. Didn't I suggest to you that Jesus has a radically different view of a way to do life? And, and he's, he's trying to get it across to us? You can't sit on the fence and say, I want the things of the world. I want my respect. I want this for me. But God, I'll give you Sunday. God, I'll give you a little bit as long as it don't interfere with my plan. I don't know where I'm getting preaching real hard right now, but I'm telling the truth. It says, then you will learn to know what God's will is for you, which is good, pleasing, and perfect. Some say, I don't know what God's will is for me. It's because you hadn't even sought it. You haven't let God transform your mind. You're still pursuing the things of the world, and you'll never find it over here if God's is over here. You've never entered into the first phase of God's will for you if you're not letting him transform your mind, transform your way of thinking, your understanding, your paradigm shift happening in your life. What is God's will for you? What if God's will for you is something that you never even planned, never even thought of? You've been heading in this one direction. You've invested every every ounce of every day heading in this one direction, and you find out God's direction is that way. What do you do? You know what repent means? It means turn and go the other way. It means switch alliances. You were once pledged your allegiance to this world, but now you're pledging your allegiance to God. God's not asking for a piece of you, maybe a a slight turn. He wants all of you. He wants you on that path where there's provision. Listen to what we're saying. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5. Old things are passed away. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us. Not the, the old things that we planned for us, but the good things that he planned for us long ago. He planned it long ago. And he's waiting on that shift in your thinking. God doesn't want us conforming to the world's model of success. Man, you can, you can have number one on the charts 18 weeks in a row. You can be president of the United States. You can be president of the UN. You can be the next world dictator and get before God, and it won't mean a thing to him. He's no respecter of your personhood, of your accomplishments. God's plan is for you to let him create your life into something uniquely beautiful and fashioned according to his plan. He wants you to be something uniquely beautiful. You are his masterpiece. And unless you let his hands get to work on that potter's wheel and you you'll never be a masterpiece that he wants for you. You'll never do the things he planned for you. But you should be uniquely beautiful and that's what we're going to talk about. Number 1, are you comfortable in your own skin? Now we're going to have to we're going to talk about how we get there. Are you comfortable in your own skin? That's a big question because When you're comfortable in your own skin, and this is on your sheet, the sky is the limit. No, I took it off the sheet. Never mind. I took that question off. The sky is the limit. What do I mean? If you're comfortable in your skin and you're you're letting God have his way, the sky is the limit. But when you're comparing yourself to others, trying to be like someone else, you just come off as a cheap imitation. You'll never have peace very little success, but you know what? Nobody can be you like you. You're a masterpiece. Why are you trying to be a copy? Why do you want to be a genuine imitation fake? Why do you want to be like somebody else when you weren't created to be somebody else? But according to CoverGirl magazine, we can all look like Christy Brinkley, even the men folks. (laughs) Put enough makeup on. <laughs> not, not, now, fellas, I, I'll be the first to say, thank the Lord for makeup, you know. <laughs> Guys, help me out with that one. <laughs> Gatorade has a commercial that implies that if we drink Gatorade, we can be as fast as Usain Bolt. Listen, I've drank Gatorade. I started a 40-yard dash back in high school that I still ain't finished. (laughs) They still waiting on me. (laughs) Some old guys in there with a (laughs) stoplight. Nike would have us believe if you wear their shoes, man, you can jump and slam dunk like LeBron James. LeBron James. (laughs) I got some Nikes. When I go for a layup, Becky White be coming off smacking my stuff. <laughs> I'm not lying. After I play basketball, my basketball shoes have a, a, a scuff mark on the right toe every time because when I go up, I don't jump, I, I slide. <laughs> I do not get off the ground. <laughs> but I got some Nikes, and I'm drinking the Gatorade. You see, comparing yourself to others is just falling into another one of the devil's traps. Man, he wants you feeling down about yourself because you can't do something somebody else does. Well, that's silly. You can't do everything everybody else. You weren't designed to do that. Galatians 4 says, pay c- careful attention to your own work. See, God's given you work to do. He, you have your own work. Your own work in doing somebody else's work. For then you will get satisfaction of a job well done because you can do your own work you can have satisfaction how many don't feel satisfied don't feel like you're measuring up maybe you're not judging yourself according to the gifts and abilities god has given you and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else when you're doing your own work for we're each responsible for our own conduct what does that mean what does it mean we're responsible for our own conduct It means that when I get to heaven, God's not going to toss me a basketball and say, okay, let's see your best 360 windmill dunk. Thank goodness. He's not going to say, okay, boy, take off toward the pearly gates, and I'll catch you on the way back. We'll see what you got. He's not going to look at my complexion and see if he sees signs of premature aging and wrinkles. (laughs) (laughs) he's not he's just gonna say what did i give you to do and how did you do with that of course you're not even gonna get that interview if your name is not written in the lamb's book of life if you hadn't made him lord y'all know what lord means right probably not another question are you comfortable with your christianity are you comfortable in your own skin? Are you comfortable with your past? Are you comfortable in your Christianity, in this whole peculiar thing, this whole church that Jesus is building, in your role in the church, or do you bemoan everything that God asks you to do? The oh, church wants me to come down there three Saturdays from now. Don't they know I got stuff going on? Do you... I don't have time for church stuff. My schedule is busy. I don't have any time for God's stuff. Don't he know? Some people feel like just coming to church is doing God a big favor. Really. Maybe you're here today and you think, well, I'm just, I'm helping God out by being here today. He's going to be so proud of me. (laughs) I was the opposite. You know, I lived 32 years for the devil out in the open, didn't you know, there wasn't no hiding the way I lived. But when I got saved, and my sins got forgiven. I couldn't do enough for God, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I couldn't say no to anybody. They could ask me to do anything in the church, and they did. Sometimes, my schedule you ask my wife for the entire time that I've been a Christian about 19 years now my schedule has been packed. You know, I'm working a 40-hour job. I got a wife and a kids. And, and, man, on Monday night, I got band practice on Tuesday night. We got prayer on Wednesday night. I'm at the church Thursday night. I'm doing And she's like, she has to calm me down. And I'm not saying that's wise, but my heart was to do everything. It's like Daniel. I have to make the boy say no. He wants to do everything in the church. His heart, it, he knows what it means. He knows what it means to be forgiven. He who's forgiven much loves much. And I couldn't wait to do everything I could possibly do. For the Lord. And along that path, man, I've been asked to do all kind of things that's so far beyond my ability. Like be a pastor. Like preach a message. Like talk without saying stupid words. <laughs> Making up stuff as I go. I've been asked to do all kind of things. And I just wanted to share with you two phrases that I have, I have just out of necessity learn to say to myself, they're really just, they're much more than just what I say to myself, they're a new philosophy, a new paradigm shift in my way of thinking. First is the title of today's message, I am what I am by the grace of God. I didn't make myself pastor. I didn't make make myself do whatever good I've done. I just am what I am. And if he asks me to do something, I can do it by the grace of God. He won't ask me to do something he doesn't equip me to do. So when I'm feeling overwhelmed that I can't do this, Lord, I am what I am by your grace. Here we go. And I step out. And it gives me courage. The other thing, well, let me remember the other thing. Oh, when I would have my schedule so full, and after, you know, the, the new Christianity thing wore off, you know, the in love part, the baby Christian enveloped with the Spirit of God everywhere he goes part, and then I started having to walk by faith. Sometimes I would have my, my schedule so full, and I found myself resenting having to go all the time. I set myself on schedule, I, I was one said yes, but then I began to resent every time I had to go to the church, or resent every time I had to, or I just, man, I Like some time off, you know, this, this, this. God dealt with me. He said, Are you a part time Christian? And I began to realize, and this is my statement this is who I am. This is what I do. When I felt like I didn't want to do it, it didn't matter. This is who I am and this is what I do. Take that, devil. This is who I am, and this is what I do. This is who God made me. I am what I am by the grace of God, and this is who I am, and this is what I do. Maybe that can help some of you. Because that is where you begin to get a shift in your understanding of your purpose here on the earth. There's not a secular me who does it my thing during the week, and then a Christian me on Sunday. This is who I am. This is what I do. Another thing, are you comfortable with your past? These are things that's going to help you now. Are you comfortable with your past? Some of us can't let it go. But you remember Second Corinthians 5, old things are passed away let your past be your past at last. Let it go. You know it's under the blood, right? If you're you're forgiven, let it go. We've all taken these windy roads. We've all been around the backside of the mountain. Some of you haven't been on the journey long. Some of us have been on a lot longer. Some of us have been on the many paths over the last 70 years. We've all come these crazy routes. Some of us come down Goodman. Some of us come up Fifty One. Some of us lived here. We lived there. We worked here. We did this. We have all these experiences, these seasons that we went through in life. Seasons where I was married. Seasons where I buried my wife. Seasons where I did this. I lost my children. Seasons where I I raised my children. Seasons where my children did this. We've gone through everything that this world could possibly throw at us. It seems, but we have all converged right here right now at the passion church on august 14th 2016 together to hear this message you are here right now despite all your past because you want to know a new way because you want to live a different life and you want to glorify god you are here no matter i don't know how you got here you may have walked you may have rode a bicycle you may have dropped out of a helicopter i don't know my kids seem like, the, they probably thinks he was born here. He rode with the pastor. But we're here. No matter how you got here, you are here. And God is speaking to you. You're hearing the same voice that everybody else here, Despite the, the roads that they have traveled, we are here. Your past led you here your experiences made you what you are today so that you wanted to be here not all of it was bad i learned how to play guitar back you know when i was in the world a lot of the things that are going on in my life i had no idea that god would use them later not all your past is bad I have selective memory. Usually when I talk about my past, it just seems terrible, but it wasn't all bad. I met my wife when I was lost. What matters is where you go from here. Where do you go from here? Today, it's the first day of the rest of your life. It's a start over period. God's grace is new. His mercy is new every day. The sun comes up again tomorrow. There's forgiveness. Ecclesiastes, like I said, it says there's a time for every season under the sun. And that those seasons have molded us. It's where we go from here that counts. And I say this all the time. Life is in the journey. I used to think it was all about the destination. It was always about some far-off date. I couldn't enjoy life until I got there. I always use the example of going on vacation. You know, we would get in a car, but it wasn't. Didn't, vacation didn't start until we got to the beach. But now, for me, I understand the ride there is part of it. Day by day, God leads us with that flow of words. Day by day, your life is one step at a time and you have to enjoy the day. Life is done in the now. Embrace God's plan for today. Don't overwhelm yourself with the responsibility of the outcome. Live in the now and do what you're supposed to do today and lay your head on the pillow at night with with some peace in your heart. Enjoy, learn to enjoy the things that really matter. And there's things in your life every day that really matter. People in your life that God has put there that really matter. Say this, the kingdom of God God. is now." now. Most of us think of our Christianity, well, I got saved and one day I'll get to heaven and that's when the kingdom of God will begin. No, the kingdom of God is now. His spirit is in your heart now. know you not that the kingdom of God is within you. It's now. Don't wait to heaven to think that that's when it's going to get good. It's already good. Amen. It's in the way we see, the understanding that we have with our mind. We've been told so many dumb things. We've believed so many lies. We've been down those, those roads, and then, then we're stuck, and we can't see. But the kingdom of God is now. Let the past go. Even Apostle Paul, he had to deal with his past. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but he had issues. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 8, he says, Last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. So he just felt like he was a latecomer. He saw Jesus late. He says, For I am the least of all apostles. In fact, I'm not even worthy to be called an apostle after the way I persecuted the church. But whatever I am now, this is where he starts to get it. He's, he's talking wrong there, it seems like to me. Yeah, but, it, but maybe he's being honest with where he's been. But now he's going to tell you what it's like now. But whatever I am now, it's because God poured out his special favor on me. And not without results. How disappointing is that going to be on the final day when God poured out his special favor on you and it was without results. It says, for I have worked harder than any of the other apostles, yet it was not I but God who worked through me by his grace. I am what I am by the grace of God. That's what it says. I am what I am by the grace of God. He's saying, I live in his grace, I am what I am, but I worked harder than anybody else. See, the grace motivated him to action. You don't sit back and have this sloppy, agape, greasy grace where you say, I'm saved by grace and so I can do what I want. Christians are to be the most excellent people in the world. Because now you've got new motivation. You're not doing it for yourself, you're not doing it for a kingdom that fades away. You're doing it for an eternal crown, you're doing it for an eternal Savior. Somebody who gave his life on the cross for you. And I can't do enough for him. Now you have a new motivation. You don't want to do things halfway anymore, just skating by. But you want to do everything as if unto the Lord. Everything, the the menial things in your life. You do it as if if unto the Lord. And he gives us some more strong advice in Philippians 4. Listen to this. This is a little shift, but Philippians 4.11. He says, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned to be content with whatever I have. Contentment. Contentment. Is Jesus enough? If you had to live in a little hovel on a dirt floor the rest of your life, would Jesus be enough? I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Many of us can attest I've been to both extremes. There's been good times and there's been bad times. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or with an empty, with plenty or little. In other words, I'm satisfied now, but I'm hungry for so much more. I'm satisfied in the day. I have peace when I go to bed at night, but I'm hungry for tomorrow. I'm content in my current state, but I'm ever driven To greater heights by my deep desire to please and glorify the Father. Contentment, but a hunger. It sounds like they don't mix, but they do for a Christian. You can be content where you are, but hungry for more. And then you know the verse 13. For I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. You can do all that. You can go through it. Another thing, are you comfortable letting Jesus be Lord? You'll have to ask yourself that question. How do I know I'm letting Christ sit on the throne of my life? Well, I I wrote, you know, we're near the end of the message and I couldn't keep going. So I just gave a, a couple of ideas of how you know that God is starting to get a hold of you, that you're starting to get it, that you're on the right path. First thing I said is when I begin to treat others with the same mercy and grace that I want to be treated with. I begin to extend to others the grace and mercy that the Lord has shown me. Okay, so there we are, this little town, trying to set up our equipment Every time we turn around, somebody's rude to us, and then this guy's going to jump up in my face. It's hot out there. We don't have our equipment. Man, we're nervous because we we like to have our stuff done, and now we don't have our stuff done. We're supposed to go, if we don't get this set up, you know, we're going to lose those two people in that camper over there. (laughs) And then this guy, his daughter can't sing a lick, but to him, He thinks she's fixing, this is the grand old Opry or something. And he's gonna jump up in my face and tell me I can't even move around 20 feet behind her. What'd I do? Yes, sir. I'm sorry. I went and sat down. Why? Because to him it was like she was on the grand old Opry. I had compassion. Jesus had worked enough in me. To know that we'll go on when we go on then. But I'm not going to hurt somebody over my issues. And I'm not going to retaliate evil for evil. What good would it do for a Christian group to be there amongst the heathens that don't know Jesus and then we cuss and fight them out in the middle of the parking lot? That's the first thing, to begin to to learn to treat others with some mercy, have compassion, see their point of view. And then secondly, when I begin to learn to trust in the Lord's strength and not my own. Yesterday, we was helping Daniel move. Daniel had to work till one, so we were going to try to give him a head start. He's got this huge tractor-trailer pulled up in his driveway, you know, hope you don't mind telling this story. Uh, And so I I called up John. John had said he would go. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, John, (laughs) is he going to bring his air tank or am I to push him in a wheelchair? (laughs) John, (laughs) he he got his stick back. I see that. I'm glad you're sitting way back there, brother. But anyway, John sometimes has trouble breathing uh just walking from the from his house to my truck and he's off and out of out of wind there's been times that I know he's lost his oxygen level to the point where he had to call nine one one to get him it's a serious issue i mean he he survives with a limited amount of oxygen. just a fact so when I picked him up, something told me to go get him. I picked him up and i 'm thinking and I, and I told you. I said, John, I don't want you to do anything today now. You're just here for moral support, you know, because there were supposed to be some people there to help. I said, John, you're just here for moral support. He was glad to go. John will go anywhere you ask him to go. He just wants to be involved in sharing the love of Jesus. You are an example, John. And so John just wants to go. I pick him up, and we get there, and we open back into this thing, and it's it's all the way to the top, all the way back. It's a big old trailer. And so we're waiting on some people to help. And, and uh, I said, well, i go. We got to get started because I can't be here all day. So we start, I start pulling a few boxes off that was on the end. John says, let me climb up in there. I said, John, you can't climb up in there. You just sit over here and be still. i go get you a chair. Oh, I'm going to climb like a monkey. I'll get up there. <laughs> John hops up in the truck just to show he can do it. Okay, so I get everything I can reach. John starts sliding things over. Next thing you know, John's pulling big boxes down and putting them up there. I said, John, I said, John, you're going to overdo it now. I said, it, what good is it to do if we have to rush you to the 911 or rush you to the mercy room in the middle of trying to unload this truck? But John keeps on. Me and John unload half the truck, and John is moving it to the trailer, and I'm bringing it in the house like a tag team. And I'm looking at John, take a break. How many times did I tell you to take a break and sit down? But he would not stop. If he died, I didn't want his blood on my hands. <laughs> I got witnesses I told him to stop. Didn't I try everything I could? I told everybody, don't ask John, do nothing, because But John was getting bigger and bigger boxes down. He's moving shelves, he's moving couches, he's moving, and he's moving it down to the end. John unloaded that whole tractor trailer yesterday pretty much by himself. He brought it all down, and and we brought it in the house. We eventually got help from some of the ladies, and another fella showed up. But we unloaded that whole thing, and I could not believe it. And when we got in the truck on the way back, I said, John, how how in the world did you do that? There's no way uh, super—that's superhuman. That's not— That's why, you couldn't do that again, John. How did you do it? He said, before I came, I prayed that God would give me strength to help today. And the Lord gave him that strength. And we got her done. When you begin to learn to trust in the Lord's strength and not your own, then you know you're on the right path. I said Wednesday night that fear focuses on your ability, but faith focuses on God's. And we walk by faith. How do I know I'm letting Christ sit on the throne of my life? Well, I've learned to begin to humble myself to sit at the foot of the table and let him do the exalting. I've learned to humble myself so that he may be exalted. When I realize that it's not about me, it's about Jesus anyway. It's all for him, by him, through him, that we even live and move and have our being. This world was created for Jesus. When I, when I stop trying to be somebody, it's about him. It's not about me. Jesus is complete. I'm just in the process of learning and growing, you know, somewhere along. But he, he's outside of time, space, and dimension. Do you understand that? He sees yesterday, today, and forever. All at once. He's outside of the realm of these limitations that I'm confined to. And if I begin to trust him instead of trust myself, how much further can I get in my life? I'm right here in the middle of time, space, and dimension. I can't get my foot off the ground when I go up for a layup. He's holy. Me? I'm I'm being perfected. <laughs> but he's holy. I am what I am. And I'm thankful for that. I I am what I am. He He's the great I am. <laughs>